0: Wow. Well, I'm excited to be here with you this morning, and I bring you uh, Grace and Peace from Pope County, Russellville, Arkansas. Come on, somebody. Um, Pastor Seth, I I feel like we are kindred spirits. I don't know if it's the lack of hair or if it was the preaching, but something just resonated when you were, I might not need to preach because that little mini-message we just got that just ministered to my spirit, brother. You took me way up into the heavens on that. That was that was good, um, man. I am glad to be here, and of course, um, you know, you mentioned Pastor Don being uh, our CEO, Pastor Don Norden, and you know, I am. Um, I wish I could be half the preacher that Pastor Don Norden was. I've been really blessed through my whole ministry to always uh, have good leaders above me that I've been able to glean from, and He is definitely one of them. And so, uh, man, we are just super excited to come out here and, and and just to share a little bit about God's redemptive purpose in taking what the Scripture says, the, the foolish things of the world and confounding the wise. Amen? That's become a little bit of a hobby for me. I like seeing the foolish things of the world confounding the wise. That's just the kind of things I get excited about today, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that uh, shortly, but... Um, again, thank you guys for having us. My name is Spencer Kilgore. I'm the Executive Director of the Hope Center, and I was a director with Teen Challenge for uh, about 10 years before I moved uh, here to um, Arkansas, and we just, you know, we fell in love with the area and fell in love with the people and no place that I would rather be right now, and I definitely love love Teen Challenge. My my running joke is you could cut me and I would bleed a little bit of Teen Challenge because I did it for so long. And I'm a, I'm a Teen Challenge graduate. God saved me in, in Long Island, New York in uh, 2010 and just radically captivated my heart and did what everybody else said could not be done. A- amen? And so I don't know about you, but I know I serve the God of the impossible because I know what he did with me. Amen? So um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the Hope Center, the Hope Center is a year-long residential discipleship program. Um, I prefer to not think of us as a rehab, but but rather the Holy Ghost Hospital, because what I know is that apart from uh, the saving work of Jesus Christ and apart from the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, um, there is no hope center. There is no men getting set free and, and lives being changed and and the affections of, of of men's heart being radically changed from the inside out apart from the movement of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, so I I like to think that. I'm not a director of a nonprofit. I'm part of a movement of the Holy Spirit, amen? And I've just been happy to be along for the ride all these years, because there's a lot of guys trying to hop on this bus that don't make it, amen? So I consider myself one of the privileged and the grateful today, because somehow in God's economy, He saw fit to let a little skinny, bald guy like me, and you should have seen me when I was on drugs, I was super skinny, amen? But He saw fit to allow a guy like me hop on a bus and go out to New York and get my whole life back. And 11 years later, here I am to hang out with you guys and and uh, hopefully be able to preach to you here in just a few minutes. So um, again, the Hope Center, we can accommodate 24 men to go through our year-long residential program. And uh, we did bring some of our team here. I got some other guys that are back in Polk County attending church. But uh, before I kind of move us into the a uh, little bit of the service. I do want to point two people out. Number one, uh, Chris, if you could just stand up and just give a little, just a quick little, little presidential wave to everybody. <laughs> Guys, Chris only has a couple weeks left. Uh huh. He's he's got a couple weeks left here, and he's going to come up and testify a little bit about that here in just a few minutes. I also uh, would just like to ask Pastor Dan Craig if you'd just stand for a moment and just give a little presidential wave here. Uh, Pastor Dan is our, our, our part-time education coordinator, but how many of us know part-time doesn't exist in the kingdom? Amen. A- amen? Um, part-time, and um, he supervises a lot of our guys that have been remodeling the, the Hope Center, which the place just looks drastically different than it did six months ago when I moved here. And uh, anyways, I just wanted to honor you and just thank you for coming out to the service here. So um, anyways, we're going to share more about the Hope Center, guys, and about what God is doing in um, in, in Russellville and Pope County. I will say this before we move on into a video that we have here for you, um, because if I get fired up when I preach, I'm going to forget. So I'm going to tell you now, um, after service, if you have a loved one that's struggling with addiction, please come and see us. Um, this service isn't all about the Hope Center. This is about Christ. This is about uh, healing, and this is about your friend or your family member that might need help. So please, after service, if that person is you or if you know someone, I need you to come straight back to the table come and talk to our guys. Let us just bombard heaven for you. Let us pray for you. We'll write down some prayer requests. We'll give you some phone numbers. We'll talk to you. We'll do whatever that we can to be of service to you or or your family member or your loved one. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, uh, if you guys would uh, just direct your attention towards the screen here, and we have a little video that'll kind of showcase and give you a little visual about uh, what life is looking like for the Hope Center right now. So if you would, just turn your eyes to the Coming here, I have a hope in my future uh, because of the calling God has on me. I know that I'm going to become a pastor. I I know that these things are going to come to pass because of how good God is and and the leaders that I have around me to transform my life. Um, I know hope comes from Jesus now, and I'm just thankful for this Hope Center. What does hope mean to me? Hope is a spiritual life preserver that I held on to and I was able to reel myself into Hope Center and I find hope within. Uh, hope is everybody that works here. Passion is, I tell everybody where I'm at a store for how passionate I am about this program. Jesus is my life because he put me in a place such as this, and he's going to use it to have me excel in um, different areas which I, I couldn't, but now I feel like I can Hey guys, my name's Spence. I'm the Executive Director here at the Hope Center. And I'm Danielle. I'm the Program Director. Well, we are so grateful to be able to chat with you guys, and we're just excited about the amazing work that we're doing here at the Hope Center in Russellville. And God is doing some amazing, amazing things. If you guys aren't familiar with the Hope Center, the Hope Center is a year-long residential discipleship program, and the core of what we do is to help and to disciple the marginalized and the addicted and bring them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Some people will call us a treatment program, some will call us a rehab, but we know that uh, many people call us the Holy Ghost Hospital because we know that without the power of God uh, that no one can truly change from the inside out, and we're really, really excited about the work that we're going to get done here in uh, Pope County, Arkansas, and in the surrounding areas. Here at the Hope Center, we do have a holistic approach. We know that uh, recovery involves the mind, body, and spirit. And Danielle does a a fantastic job of helping our clients with case management services, getting to their appointments and getting their practical needs met while they go through our long-term residential program. I needed help so bad. I was homeless, living on the streets of Oklahoma City. And uh, my mother and father found two guys that had these crosses that they're uh, people are making donations to this ministry called hope and so yeah I knew that I wanted to change I didn't like the person I was becoming I was looking at myself in the mirror and I I, I couldn't stand what I was seeing and I knew I wanted to change Here at the Hope Center, our clients have a super busy schedule. We know that part of recovery involves routine, and it also involves staying busy. And so our guys get up super early in the morning. They have their devotional time to be able to meet uh, one-on-one with God. We also have uh, physical fitness uh, three days a week for our clients, uh, group counseling and education component. Uh, vocational training. It is important to us that the men that come into the Hope Center are also learning about good work ethic. We have a shop that they can go work in a few days out of the week. We're instilling in them the the importance of showing up early, staying late, doing everything with the spirit of excellence. Well hey friends, Danielle and I have been doing this kind of work uh, for well over a decade now and there is nothing more that we would rather dedicate our life and and our time and our resources to um, than this kind of work. And we just want you to know if you have a loved one, a friend or a family member that might have a life controlling issue, whether it be addiction or alcoholism, anxiety or depression, that you are welcome to give us a call. You can reach out to us and direct message us on our social media pages. And just know that uh, there is still hope for your loved one, and that hope changes everything here at the Hope Center. Amen. Well, um, Pastor Seth said I had to trim down my preaching time to 90 minutes. I usually do a full two hours. Um, hope that's not going to be a problem for anybody here. Um, we're Pentecostal. I'm just joking. I'll, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us through this thing. It, Amen? Amen. All right. Well, listen, um, the, I have a quick message for you. It's called Facing Failure and Overcoming the Odds. Facing Failure and Overcoming the Odds. Um, is there anyone here that struggles with math? Any people that just don't have a math brain? I see Pastor Seth. I got at least one honest person, two honest people, three, four honest people in God's house. Praise the Lord. Um, I had to get tutored through every math class that I ever took. In school, college, I mean, I had little, um, what I call little teenage girls that were tutoring me to to complete my math classes in college. I just, just doesn't work. Just does not work. My daughter's 12. She's going on 13. I am not going to be the guy to help her get through the rest of this. There's a lot of stuff I'm really, really good at. Math is not one of them, amen? Um, but I can remember trying to go through college, and me feeling so incompetent, and me feeling like, why? God, i do good at almost anything I really, really put my hands to. Why is this different? <laughs> why in the world can't I do polynomials? I don't understand. You know, I, I don't know. Just, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it just got me thinking about how you and I are going to position ourselves and posture ourselves when we face failure in our life. Hey, Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the church, the bride of Christ. And we pray, God, that by your grace, you would penetrate to our minds and our hearts this morning, that you would use me as an imperfect vessel that would communicate your message with clarity, conviction, and truth, that we would be inspired, convicted, and healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Facing Failure, Overcoming Odds. And we're going to take a look at the life of Joseph, all right? And, um, you know, again, our case study is going to be from Joseph. And, you know, my message won't even touch the tip of the iceberg on what we can learn from Joseph's life, all right? But we're going to bounce around a little bit in Genesis and pray in the spirit for the folks working this PowerPoint. because I'm going to bounce around real quick here. I don't know if it's going to pan out or not, but just, just roll with me and we'll get through this. Amen. Joseph was a man who experienced failure repeatedly in his life, but he overcame it. And if you're anything like me, church, that's something that I need to be able to identify with, because I need to know that when I screw up and my life goes bad, that I don't have to give up hope. Can can I just be real with you? I'm going to preach to myself this morning, amen? Failure is a part of life, but it all depends on whether you fail and fall down or if you fail forward, am I right? there's a lot of factors that play into how we respond to failure. We have faith, family, skills, and talents, and we have this thing called resilience. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we go throughout our message here this morning. Now, the APA, for all of us uh, academia folks here, defines resilience um, as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress. And just hang on to that definition because you're going to see that Joseph developed and had resilience by the boatload, amen. And that's something that you and I, as the body of Christ, that we're going to need, amen, amen. Now, is there anyone else here, church, that has had some tough times in your childhood? I had some tough times in my childhood, and I, I you know, I can, uh, I can remember back when I was going to school, I. I shuffled back and forth between Ohio and Pennsylvania, and I grew up going into school where it was predominantly African-American, and I was, and I was one of the white guys. And I remember a bunch of the African-American kids just beating the tar out of this white kid in school just because he was a different skin color. And to this day, I can remember kind of the, uh, oh my goodness, it was just the, it was, the sh- it was a shriek. It was a shriek when they beat this young man. Yeah, you ever experienced something like that, and it sticks with you, and you carry that little memory around with you? So I get into high school, and I move to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I go to this school. It was a little football town. Um, of course, I never played any football. <laughs> you can't tell by my frame. But they were, it was, the, the, the tables were turned. And I got to see these kids, and I'll never forget, the, the one gentleman's dad was a, um, was a coach there, and he said some things about African Americans there and how they weren't welcome at my high school and I can remember how they treated African American kids there. There was only a handful of them. And I remember seeing this ugliness just from a very early age and seeing kind of both both sides of that stuff. And um, man, that stuff just just kind of it, it it just really stuck with me. Um childhood can be can be tough, am I right? <laughs> and you know, it it just got me thinking about Joseph's life. And we're gonna get into that, and it just you know, jealousy and betrayal stings the most when it comes from someone that you trust. Have you ever had someone that you were close to give you a little shot of something and man, it just packs a little extra punch when it comes from someone close to you, doesn't it? You know, if you've ever had problems in your, you know, in your marriage or with your kids or with someone that you love and you get that emotional pain on something that's hurt you, man, that thing will hurt you more than the guys that you work with or the people at school, am I right? Joseph had a tough childhood Amongst other things, the pressure began to build in his life when he was only 17, when he began to experience jealousy from his family. Now, church, how many of us agree that it's already a tough time to experience hardship when we're teenagers, right? Now, the scripture reminds us that, this is Genesis 37:4. when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. There's a special kind of hatred that can occur when you can't even talk to someone, right? You ever been that mad at someone? It's been so mad that you can't even talk to them? Oh my goodness, if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. That kind of anger and jealousy is reserved for families and marriages, usually. But friends, I could tell you some stories of how I've learned this the hard way. That message will be for another day on next time I come. But going back to Joseph, his brothers wouldn't speak peacefully to him. Now, I have a teenage daughter, and there have been some times, parents, if you can testify, that we have gotten a little upset with each other. And my daughter is very much her mother's child, so she has all the sass and, you know, the independent streak that, you know, you could, you could imagine. And I can remember just, just being upset, you know, just it's just dad stuff, nothing, nothing crazy, just dad stuff and me being mad. And um, how many of us know that uh, kids got the best comebacks today, you know, and just smart little quips, you know, and I'm just like so stinking angry at her one day. And um, she told me that her haters are her motivators. <laughs> Our haters are our motivators, says the 12 year old. Praise God. Um, but how many of us know that there are some seasons of our life that we'll simply have to endure hardship without the support of our family? I mean, it sounds great to think that our, our family is going to be along with us through the thick and the thin, but have any of us ever had experiences that are contrary to that? I have. In the book of Acts, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you guys study this stuff out, if you haven't, go to the book of Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, and you'll see behind me on the screen there a little little snapshot of what it looks like uh, for the body of Christ, for me and you to be family, and what it looks like for us to do life together and for us to be in community together. And so my encouragement to you, church, is to allow God to place family in front of you. that person sitting next to you isn't next to you on accident. God has designed us to be here and to do life together. And what you don't have in your biological family, if you will allow it to happen, God will will augment and supplement that with people in the church and in the body of Christ, so you don't have to live life alone. Amen? So later, going back to Joseph, he was sold into slavery by the Midianites to the Ishmaelites and that's in Genesis 37:28. Things go from bad to worse. Joseph, now a slave of Potiphar, is falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. Ooh wee. See, like Joseph, we will all have times when we need to decide how we are going to respond when things in our lives go from bad to worse. There are a lot of things that can go wrong in this life, but I'm pretty sure for this guy right here, being accused of rape is right at the top of that list. Amen? I mean, you talk about a list of things that are hard to rebound from. Try having that on your track record. But it makes me wonder, how are we going to respond when nothing makes sense, when our world is falling apart and we're broken inside? Are we going to practice what we preach even in the middle of our brokenness? Can, are we going to preach through the tears today? Like Joseph, have you ever ended up in your life, in a place in your life where the stress and the trauma from childhood begins to compound as an adult? This is where resilience comes in. It's, 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 it's important to develop and sustain resilience in our lives in order to face failure and overcome the odds. Now Joseph later ends up interpreting a dream for Pharaoh, and for me, it's important to remember that Joseph continued to give credit to God. That's in Genesis forty-one, sixteen. See, if you're anything like me, it's really tempting to take credit for um, the good stuff that comes down the pike, even though it's really God that's made it happen especially when you're in a season of life when you're surrounded by losses. It's really tempting to take credit for a win. Am I right? But isn't that the principle that Paul writes about when he writes the letter to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4-7 when he says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So there are some of us guys that are going through our life And we're starting to get a little too big for our britches. We're starting to think somewhere along the line that it wasn't Christ that was the one that got us to where we're at. We're starting to think that we had a little too much to do with it. Amen? Later, due to Joseph's ability to address his trauma, develop resilience, and help uh, keep his trust in God, Pharaoh ends up promoting him and essentially making him the number two in command and true kingdom promotion comes only when you deal with your unfinished business. Now, I'm going to be real with you here. I don't know most of you, except for Hope Center, and I don't need to to say this, and I'm no prophet, but I know this is true. There are some of you here right now that have showed up for church this morning, and you know that there is more that God has for you. And you're not stepping into it yet because you're trying to shortcut around things that you need to address from pain that has happened, from things that you've done, or things that have been done to you. And you can't get to that place in God's economy until you address the mess. Amen, somebody? Joseph was brave like many other patriarchs of our faith. In the grace and strength of God, you and I are called to be brave as well. Amen? In the Old Testament, the writer stated that uh, then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. Now, Pharaoh, who once imprisoned him, now recognizes the legitimacy and the leading of God. And that's in Genesis forty-one thirty-eight through 39. something starts to happen when you walk with God long enough, where some people that used to discount you and used to discount the fact that people can change. But when you start to walk with God long enough, tell me you can't prove people wrong. Your most valuable tool in telling the world about God, church, is your steadfast faith in him when your world is falling apart. Think about it. Joseph always seemed to be dedicated to the Lord through slavery, imprisonment, and eventually leading the people through seven years of famine. I wonder if he grew stronger as he was able to look back on his childhood and see what God had brought him through. This memory might have provided strength for the future when he faced the pressure of leading the people through the famine. I'm not done yet, Junior. Hang on. Now, almost every one of us has people that are counting on us for something. Am I I right? Most of us have several, and a few of us have many. Never forget what God has brought you out of as you prepare for the battle that you're currently in. And there are some of us here, church, that just need to be reminded this morning. I just feel like someone needs to know that Your suffering isn't going to last forever. Someone just needs to hear that this morning. Your suffering isn't going to last forever. You know, Peter reminded the early persecuted Christians in Babylon. You know, most scholars say, it's. you know, we're talking about Rome, that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You may be suffering right now. You may be going through your hardships and your trauma and your tough spot in life right now, but in Jesus' name, friend, you hang in there. It may be like that right now, but it's not going to end that way. Amen? Amen? Sometimes, like Joseph, it's important to find our meaning and the hardships and the suffering that we have, though. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor, and he was a founder of a style of therapy that he called Logotherapy. And it, it, was, it was founded on the idea that contentment is derived from one's meaning and purpose. His resiliency came with many rewards. One was that he was able to enjoy an emotional reunion with his family. That's in Genesis uh, 45 Ten, it's Joseph I'm talking about. There's a lot of research that suggests that meaning and purpose is a primary resilience factor. The Bible supports this in the narrative of Joseph's life. Now, one scripture that stands out to me is when Joseph finds himself talking to his family and addressing the uncomfortability and awkwardness of what they did to him. And he responded by saying, in Genesis 45, 5, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph remembered that his God-ordained purpose brought him through. We need to remember the purpose and the assignment that God has us on right now. In a a polarized, a politically polarized culture and a culture of chaos and confusion right now. If there was ever a time when God has called the church to be the church, this is it. He's counting on us. Amen? Joseph remembered that his God-ordained purpose brought him through. Sometimes your healing comes in the facing and the forgiving Of your past. Now, I'm going to get us through this quick here because I don't want Pastor Seth to come uh, tackle me here pretty soon, all right? But sometimes your healing comes in the facing and forgiving of your past. You want to move forward, reconcile your past, don't make excuses, and don't keep secrets, and face it. And get the healing that you want. And watch God start to bless the work of your hands. Amen? For those of us who struggle with how or why God allows hardships, I first would tell you that you ain't the only one here, right? I think all of us have probably been down that road, um, unless you're way more spiritual than me. In the New Testament, there's a story in the Gospel of John uh, that that really ministers to me about this kind of stuff. uh, And it's a story about a blind man. When the disciples wondered why the man was born blind, Christ responded back and said, this is in John 9.3, uh, Christ responded back and said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, brothers and sisters, there's going to come a time, if you haven't reached it already, where it's going to get really real and we're going to have to see if we're going to practice what we preach. So if I come up on stage to you here this morning and I talk a good game about being a reflection of God's glory and that God has called me and that this is my assignment for life, then I need to know that that comes with the bitter and the sweet. That's when I'm in the valleys, but it's also when I'm up top. It's it's a two-way street, am I right? God has a significant purpose for you even while you're going through the pain that you might be going through right now in your life. Don't discount that. He still loves you when you're down. He still has purpose for you when you're down. He's still going to give you grace and strength to sustain you even while you're down right now. Amen? In other words, when we still exhibit faith in God in the middle of terrible events, traumatic experiences, and hardships, it provides a powerful testimony to the authenticity and legitimacy of God. Genesis 50, 20. We're almost done. Joseph says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I couldn't unpack the whole life of Joseph in one message. But Joseph faced failure and overcame the odds against him in his life. And if he can do it, then brother, sister, you can do it too. Amen? It's not about if we're going to fail or not. We're going to fail sometimes. But can we disagree that when we do, that we'll fail forward? That, that we'll embrace God's grace? We can almost normalize that a little bit, and we can say that we're in this together. And that God, in his redemptive purpose in our life, he will take those failures. And he will use that for an eternal significance, not only to give us our healing, but to help those around us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the time to hear your word, Lord. I pray that it would have penetrated hearts this morning, God. Would have given us things to think about and inspire us this morning, Father. And Lord, help us to embrace the good and the bad that comes with our life, Father, and that we would give you the glory through it all. And by your grace, uh, give us the strength to trust you in that. In the name of Jesus, amen.